Have you ever wondered why some young people choose to end their lives? Ever wondered who they are and who they left behind? Have you ever wanted to hear their stories? Would you like answers to these questions and many more? Welcome to Suicide Pages with Dr. Lulu. Her mission is to shine light on these young people, create awareness for, and educate the world on youth suicide. Opinions expressed in this podcast are those of Dr. Lulu and her guests. They are not a substitute for professional advice. If you are experiencing suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-TALK or send a text to www.crisistextline.org. Now, here's Dr. Lulu. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good day. This is Dr. Lulu coming at you with the Suicide Pages, the podcast, my favorite place to be these days. And I'm here today with another guest. I have to say, he is one of my unicorn guests. And I know you guys, if you've been listening to me, you know my unicorns are my black males. I'm so excited to have them. He is one of my unicorn guests. I was able to get him on Facebook. And we kind of connected based on an article about depression in black males that I, that I posted that he shared. And I was like, yes, let me grab him before, while I can. And he has been gracious enough to join us this morning for an episode of Suicide Pages. His name is Mr. Brandon Lee, or B. Lee, as he's known by his close friends. He has um, had a little mild, just a mild issue with depression in the past, secondly to a death in the family of his father, which is completely normal and completely acceptable to have what we call reactive depression based on life event, for which he found that he needed counseling and he actually went to counseling. This is amazing. If you've been listening to me, you know that these are the three words I want to hear. When you have issues, it's okay to reach out for help. He teaches in the school system. He teaches grade school, high school. So you know he is gangster. I love that because, as you know, high schoolers, hmm, they are in a league by themselves. I love that because I've, I've, I have three that have been through high school. So I know what I'm talking about as a mother. He teaches government and theater arts. My favorite thing to do when I was in grade school, elementary school, even in, even in medical school, I did theater arts. It was one of my favorite things to do. Love, love, love acting, love the arts. He's a paraprofessional. He's worked with mental health in various capacities, both, both as a direct aid and inadvertently because he worked with the juvenile um, justice system. He also has worked with them. And he, he, I love this guy already. He has a lot of nuggets that I think we're going to hopefully have enough time to get into. So without further ado, here is Mr. Brandon Lee. Mr. Brandon Lee, thank you so much for joining the Suicide Pages family. How are you? I'm doing all right. Thank (laughs) you. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Thank you for agreeing. For many are called, but very, very few are chosen. And in this case, you chose us. So for that, we are grateful. So let me see, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with your, with your father's death? Do you want to start with your work with the UVs? Do you want to start with your work with 
grade school? How do you want to, you just tell me, I'm, I'm, we're all ears. Well, I guess um, for me, uh, maybe starting with the, um, I guess the death of my father, you did enter, uh, entered with that. Um, uh, my father and I were very, very close. Uh, I was basically one of those like daddy's boys growing up um, opposite. Not that I'm not a mother's boy. I'm going to say, as a mother of three sons, I know that you should, it's not dad that we put there, but hey, you know what? To each his own. Yes, yes, yes. I love it. But you know one thing though, you know, even before you go in any further, very, very few African-American males, including my own three sons, can have that phrase. I was a daddy's boy. Very few of us have that experience. So you might have opened a beautiful can of tasty worms for us because this is a, an area that most of us have not experienced. I'm a, I'm a girl, obviously. I'm a daddy's girl all day, first of six. Mm. But I'm not a boy, and oh. I, I don't have that experience, and I don't think my sons have been blessed with that experience. So that is, a, that is an uncharted territory. You know that, right? Yeah, and that, that, that was the fortunate part for me growing up because he, he was um, a school teacher himself. Mm. And my friends who did not necessarily have their father directly in their life, most of them aware of their father um, in some capacity, um, he was able to be around them. I would think at least in the uncle's style of, uh, of rearing in the old black neighborhood. But uh, we um, transitioned out of the area in the school, in the college. And um, most of my friends, were we were still very we're still in contact with each other today. So we were in contact with each other. No, I was saying he was definitely a noble man. He was a good man to be everybody's father. Yeah, he was. Uh, he, um, he, he took the, the opportunity to come back to Williamsburg to teach as one of those opportunities to teach others. So um, after I got out of college, he was very instrumental in still giving me advice, helping me transition into the classroom, mm. uh, deal with students. Um, you know, I'll, I'll take like one thing that actually absolutely kind of changed the way in which part of my career went. It, it was simply the shaking of hands. Um, he would always say, uh, you know, son, are you, you one, are you in a shirt and tie every day because I need to see a black man in that capacity? Exactly. Uh, but exactly. And shaking of hands, people. shaking of hands is definitely, it's big because that's a connection. It's a direct tactile connection is so powerful i'm a hugger i love to use my hands to to make to mold to mend to embrace so that is a powerful thing that people don't you know i wouldn't say they still do a lot but because of cell phones and texting but shaking of hands forces you to touch me and also look me in the eye so that is amazing um it's, it's actually funny because now 10 years down the road when i initially started teaching a lot of my boys, the, the boys I taught, actually even some of the girls, they'll they'll do that. They'll they'll come, and mostly in schools and like in, when I work in mental health, we do side hugs. But you know, the girls run give you a side hug, and um, with the with the guys, they're, they're still coming, like you know, come to shake my hand. It's uh, it's interesting too because when I got to the high school, I mean those those were the younger boys. I taught middle school for five years, but when I got to the high school, you know, the older boys want to. You want to dap you up like in the neighborhood and that's and that's cool too you know and that's it's a good way to bridge the gap and uh i just saw something like that from my father that little bit of information um kind of changed the game and then i guess about five six years into my career i started seeing all those viral videos coming out where teachers yeah doing high fives <laughs> and stuff outside the door um i guess i just wasn't quick enough for my cell phone but 
Um, that is, I'm just glad to see that part changing. And that, that was a kudos that like, I have to give the credit to him for that. Um, so when he passed in 2010, mm-hmm. um, it, that was very, a very difficult time because he was also taking care of my grandmother mm-hmm. who was, uh, she had the onset of dementia. Um, her mobility was, it was suffering by the day. And this is a woman we saw do a whole lot growing up. Um, and I watched it break him down um he passed before her she mm. um passed 10 months after that mm. um and when she passed the, the, those 10 months after that that was really big because now i'm in a, a house other than my mother uh who didn't stay at that house um there, there was there's it was felt like i was going home to an empty home my sister was in law school and my daughter uh she i have a child she moved with her mother to Atlanta. Her mother had got a new job down there. So I was instantly in, in empty nest syndrome. Mm. And, um, I didn't really realize that, uh, you know, what, what that was, how that was affecting me. Um, until I could see it affecting my work and my relationship. And, um, I ended up getting out of an engagement. And, uh, at that point I'd seen a therapist once or twice. No, it was twice due to the free sessions that they'll do when you know when you renew your insurance. Um, but uh, it wasn't until after I got some better insurance that I did went to a couple sessions and really uh, I, I think that was there was just a couple things in there uh, other than the complete conversation mm. um, that it was okay. I could apologize to myself and feel all right about that and feel all right about um, uh, loss. You know, at first it was like, oh, I'm not supposed to cry. Something as simple as that. I know, yes, because, you know, you're a black male, Spartan boy. I love the fact that you're talking about your vulnerability. That's all it is. We're all vulnerable. It just, we got to peel the layers and you get to a couple of layers and you can't peel anymore because then you get to the core of your vulnerability, your human side. And yes, black men do hurt we do hurt. Our boys hurt. I only have three black men to talk about because they're mine, but I do know that they hurt. Now, what hurts one doesn't hurt the other, but they hurt. And talking about the fact that you are vulnerable, I mean, just listening to your story about how your dad, you know, obviously molded your career. And with touch, I am a big toucher. You can use your hands, like I said before, to make to mold and to mend when it comes to mental illness. And you showed us that you did that, but also the fact that your father and his mother were so connected. And I don't know if you know this, but you probably do. The loss of a child, they say, is the most devastating loss anybody can have. So I knew it was a matter of time. Once your father went, his mother was going to go. I mean, it makes sense, you know. And then you mm-hmm. poor dear, it's like when it rains, it storms because your dad, then your grandma, then your wife, then your mother, then your daughter. Then I was like, wait, wait, what's going on here? But I'm glad yeah, you reached out for help. Oh, no, I'm still here. Yeah. Okay. So I'm saying I'm glad you reached out for help. You knew, you recognized it, and you reached out for However you reached out, you did reach out. And that's important. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, sadly, it ended, it was a breakup that made me say, okay, I might need to, you know, actually go talk to somebody. Um, and I, I have to say, it, it, then at that point, it was reflection of, of self, knowing that um, we we dealing with these toxicity issues right now. And um, I recognized at one point, I was like, you know what, I've I've made too many of my women cry. 
cry in my life. When, my, when I say my women, I mean like my grandmother, my mom, my sister, a girlfriend, uh, a daughter. I can go down a list and I say, you know, wow, is this something I'm not doing well or something that's affecting me that causes outbursts or causes me to detach emotionally from one or the other? Uh, for me to, you know, things that cause me not to consider them, consider their emotions or what they might be suffering with. I'll tell you, the first time I really realized it was, um, it was the, the first time I'm doing some laundry. Uh, my daughter's in the room changing fresh out of the bathroom and I go to like go in the door and, uh, you know, put her clothes in the room. She's like, daddy, get out. You know, I'm like, yeah. I'm like, Daddy, get out. Oh, that's right. They get older. You yeah. know, and I, I that was the first time I actually thought about, you know, her menstrual cycle and the, the conversation we had around that. And I was like, wow, you know, it's different being a woman. I I would hate having to deal with some of the issues that y'all deal with oh, honey. on a daily basis. Oh, honey, don't even <laughs> let's go there. <laughs> like, oh my goodness, that is yeah. But also, you, you notice that the, the, you know. You, you, I think what you what one thing that I've taken out of this is that you did recognize that those women helped mend, mold, build you up, but also that you probably also broke them down at various points, and you were able to reconnect with that idea and make peace with it. Right? Is that what you're saying? Counseling. Your- yeah. So that's good. That's wonderful. I'm glad. So how are you, how are you doing these days as far as leaving your, your father's, the story of your father and, and the death and kind of the, bringing the bridge to the future, which is when you went into school and how, how did all that work out? Well, uh, today, you know, still, you know, still a daily struggle to think about it, um, you know, and feel it. But, you know, I'm, I'm better than I was five years ago. I'm better than I was last year. Um, and right now I've been utilizing the Art Avenue to... Uh, really explore my feelings and ex- use that as that being theater arts as a platform uh, to teach um, and be therapy at the same time. Uh, nowadays, I'm, I'm trying to do as many avenues of art as possible. Like I'm looking for auditions for film, and uh, I was on the stage pretty much over the last 18 months. Uh, anytime I could get a show, so in, in in the summer season, I did Macbeth, came back in, had done the play at UVA, done a play here in town. Um, so I, I've, I've been able to do a lot of art. I'm fortunate in that. I've been chosen to do a couple, couple of select pieces, like at the university. I'm now working with the university, uh, with the university, uh, UVA Acts is what it's called, uh, out of the Center for Teaching and Excellence, where we do interactive theater for groups uh, on Wednesday we'll do a 21 person pilot so we'll facilitate um, some interactive theater in order to talk about how search committees uh, the things the best practices that they should have the standards that they should use so um, theater has been helping me do that I'm also writing so writing some children's stories and uh, hopefully at some point I can maybe get those published and I uh, maybe done get some animation work done with them so I'm looking forward to all of those things Wow, that's wonderful. There's so many levels. I want to go, before I talk about because it, it looks like I did the snafu. I was the one that jumped to, to the present, which is great because I was going to ask you later on, where can the listeners find you? But there's a missing, there's a space there that I want us to explore. Working with the, 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 the at-risk youth. 
I would like you to tell us a little bit more about what you did and how, because I know you impacted a lot of lives just be, by virtue of their demographic. So how did you work with them? How did you, how was all of that teaching the youth, the future, tomorrow's leaders? Well, for me, I, I really believe in um, where the rubber meets the road. Uh, I believe in getting in and getting your hands dirty. I think we have a lot of people who, uh, particularly in academia, uh, we see folks, they go on, they get that doctor's degree, or now they're in administration, they're over here, they're not where the rubber meets the road on a daily basis. Mm. Um, when the industry shifts back in 2010 here in Virginia, Craig Deed, um, his son, um, had uh, ended up killing himself after injuring Craig he was, a, he was one of our representatives here in the state, um, and the state was sued in that year. Um, I saw one, the paraprofessionals and in the, the way they credentialed folks, that changed. Um, but they also wanted to bring in some new programs. And the interesting part to me was that the people who I think do some of the best work are those folks who don't have the master's degree. <laughs> they have the, the, the folks who've been there for 20 years. Yes. I'm sorry. No, I said you could say that again. You could say that again. Yeah. They, they're the ones who can tell you what you need to know. So for me, um, I try to, I, ever since I started mental health, I try to apply the things that I've seen those people do well. And um, uh, for, for most of the, the males, like, you know, sometimes you just need a, you know, a stern figure. Uh, at other times, they need somebody to create a basketball program or to, you know, just sit down and do some art with them, play some cards. But really, be a listening ear. One of the biggest things I see that the children need right now is a listener, somebody to pay attention. To. They want the attention. They want to be heard. They're creative, so they want to know that somebody cares about where their create what their creativity is. Um, and I think that's really the major key right now. Uh, it's not some special like pill that's going to get it done. It's really taking the time and attention to uh, see how you can help elevate them. You know what? You could not have put that any better. Usually I look for, as I listen to the guests speak, I, I look for certain words and phrases as the, the quotes for the day. And so far, I've got two quotes already from you. You focus on where the rubber meets the road, which is getting your hands dirty, which I love that. But also the children want someone with a listening ear. And believe it or not, that is semi-tied to the fact to... The, to, in my own case, the fact that I, I quit my job as a pediatrician, a $200,000 job and all that, to, to start just speaking and writing and connecting parents with their teenagers again. Because I realized that not only do teens speak teen, they don't speak adults, but a lot of times adults just don't even, they, when the child is a toddler and a four-year-old, they're doting on them and loving on them and forgiving them and giving them all kinds of passes. But once they hit that teenage year, it's like, wait, you're grown now. So you're no longer a child. And da, da, da. But the kids really just want to be seen. They just want to be heard. They just want the hurt to stop. And if, if we could get past parental rejection, parental rejection a lot of times the parents themselves are also broken and hurting that's true but as a parent in your capacity as a parent you need to be there for your child you must be your child's number one advocate number one cheerleader they need you and when they can't get it what do they do they go outside 
and then they get in trouble, and then they go into juvie, and then the, 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 everything just crumbled from there. But generally, That's everybody right. was born weighing six to eight pounds and innocent, right? All the kids were six to eight pounds and innocent, and then boom, life happens. If the parents can just come back, just being a mom, a listening ear, a loving arm to hug, to hold. They don't even want you to hug them, but they just want you to validate their emotions, right? It's validate. Right. Even if you don't agree with it, validate. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I love it. I love it because I'm a parent coach. So I love, love that. Go ahead. That's uh, one thing that's, uh, that's harder. So my daughter goes to college in a few days, and uh, now looking at that, saying, wow, we were 15 and 16. Her mother... And I were young when she was born. Um, so therefore, uh, going to college, us continue to go to college, thanks to our, our village, grandparents and um, moms and dads who could help do things while we're still getting our education. Mm-hmm. I think help provide some feeling for us. But I mean, even to this day, you know, I still wonder the gaps. There's still times that, you know, I'm like, man, I wish I could just grab her up and hug her right now. But yes. she's away. Or, there. Uh, I have to deal with social media now. So yes, you gotta, I know. You know. <laughs> but you can, yeah. still, you can still leverage your social media. You can still, like, well, in my, kids, in my kids, I have two boys, two of my boys in college. Actually, my eldest is a senior now at Stanford, and his, his brother is going to be a sophomore at oh, Tech. Wow. And okay. I, make them, I make them call. They have a day of the week that they're supposed to call. The middle boy calls on Saturdays. The first boy calls on Sundays. And that is their day. And then we do FaceTime or we, I just love on them and I hug on them. And then as the week goes by, I send little texts like, oh, I miss you or thinking about you. Or, How are you doing? Or, How's the week so far? Just random text messages, things they love to text. Now, I still am old school. I want to see your face. I want to, I want to hug you and all that. But Hey, the next best thing is FaceTime. So see how you can, if you don't mind taking advice from me, just get a day of the week that this is her day to call. And this is the day um, she connects with you. And this is your day to, to, to talk and kind of see how the week was and, and things like that. I find that they work for me and my boys. I, I really love it. Boys don't call their mamas as much as they should, but hey, your daughter, she might call you and then you might get into, and of course, every chance you get, go up and see her and just love on her and just, just listen, and just hear her and just hear what she has to say. Help those, kind of nurture those dreams. That's what the teenagers want. So as far as you and working with teens, going back to that, have you had, did you find or did you meet any quote unquote broken teens that you were able to mend and mold and kind of put back on the road to a success? You know what? I, I often question it. I, I, I've heard students give me some stories. Um, uh, I've, I've, I've read it, you know, in the little books and the feature articles that we might have. And so I like to think yes, but I don't think of any of one of them really as like, I guess anything special. I just try to help them make their transitions. Um, I, I I still stay in touch with a few of the students that I've had in the past to this day. Yes. Um, some are now truck drivers. Some are working in the stores, uh, other than fast food. Some in college. Um, you know, it's nice to hear some of them. Whether I go over to the church or go to the mosque, you know, and they they're able to say go from Mister Lee to B Lee. They're ha- they're happy with that. Um, so I, I think just being there in their lives, I don't know if, you know, I've been the sole trajectory. I've heard things like, well, you're the reason I've studied engineering or, 
Um, you're the reason I wanted to stay on a technical track and study IT in college or, you know, just thank you for being a, you know, a big brother, those things. I've heard that. Um, but often when I hear it, it's, uh, I heard a, a phrase the other week, imposter syndrome, you know, it's not, it's like, you know, it's like me, no, no, you know. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Yeah. But you know what, as a pediatrician, because I've done this for 29 years now, I have been there. Mm. I have my patients tell me, Dr. Ume, I went to medical school because of you, or, or even, even those that didn't go to medical school, because that's not the definition of success, but even those that had a baby, and like, Dr. Ume, I wish you were here to take care of my baby, or guess what, you know, if you were here, he would be your patient, and even some of them, I, I am the, 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 the child's pediatrician, and I was their pediatrician, I'm like, Oh, girl, when I can't wait for him to get old enough so I could tell him what you did or this, that, and the other. And it's just so much fun to watch the cycle of life and see them grow up and become grown, you know? That's true. It's definitely interesting. I saw a student just in food line the other day, and uh, she had she had her little one. And I'm, I'm looking at her, and I'm going, wow, I remember when you were on my, my step team uh, exactly. running around, oh. you know, but... Uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, nothing brings me joy like, like that. I just love it so much. I love the moms as well, but the kids. And when you find, you know, if you have 6,000 patients and you connect with 60, that is 60 so many because those 60 could have maybe not been connected. And for me, because I, I'm also LGBT, so I'm very, very open to that. And I, I have them come out to me and they're like shaking. I'm like, listen, I promise you, nothing is going to happen. I'm going to make sure that your mom understands the journey and just the fact that it just needs you as a child, you just want your mom to love you as you are. And I try to remind the parents that this is exactly how you were as a teenager. You wanted your parents more than anything else to validate you. And so it hasn't changed. And the reason why parents and teenagers have issues today is because we forget that when we were teenagers, this is all we wanted was for my mom to just, I don't know, whatever, like my boyfriend or like my decisions or, or respect my decisions. You know, um, wow, that's amazing. Wow, Mr. Lee, this has been awesome. So bringing us to forward now um, to be uh, to today, you said in the intro that um, you had kind of put school to the side to pursue your, your the arts work now. So where can we find you? And I can't wait for the books to come out because I also write, so I'm really excited about that. But um, where can listeners find you? Well, uh, you can uh, find me on Facebook, like you found me, uh, B Space Lee, L-E-E. Uh, I'm also on Instagram uh, at the letter L-U-V, the number two, the letter H, the number eight, B Lee. That's love to hate B Lee. And that actually came from a joke uh, for some students one year, you know. And like, we love you, Mr. Lee, but sometimes, man, we can hate you too. So. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? The ones that they hate, and I put that in, in, in love embraces, which is brackets. The ones that they hate are the ones that touched the spot. You touched the spot. Yes. It's a good place. It's a very good place to be. That's amazing. Wonderful. Okay, well, so they can find you on Facebook and on Instagram. And then what else? Where else, Rana? Uh, I'm also on Twitter. Um, same thing on Twitter. Love to hate Billy. I'm on Twitter, uh, but uh, hopefully I'll be uh, releasing a website here 
soon. I do work with my mother, uh, who's been doing African, African-American presentations and interpretations in Williamsburg, Virginia for 25, almost 30 years. We just talked wow. about that. Uh, 30 years now. Um, so uh, hopefully I'll be unveiling a new web uh, web page um, here pretty soon. Uh, each one, teach one is one of the services she works under, the name of her, her business. Uh, she does storytelling, African storytelling and uh, dance and singing. Uh, I, I drum. I'm a percussionist. So I do some African huh? drumming with her. Oh, um, are you coming to San Antonio anytime <laughs> soon? San Antonio? How come uh, I can, I can work out in San Antonio. <laughs> That'd be great. No, 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 no. I, mean, I kid you uh, not. I, I'm African. Are you kidding me? And I used to play the drums. So, yes. And then my boys. Oh. Yes. And my boys, between the, my two sons, they play 10 instruments between the two of them. Yes. Oh, really? Okay. Okay. You said one does that. Okay. Yeah, the one at Stanford is a music major and pole science minor, and he's going to law school after all the money has been spent on music. But um, his brother is a jazz musician. He plays the piccolo. No, the one that plays the flute plays the orchestra, the woodwind, all the way with the piano and the piccolo and the saxophone and the clarinet. And the middle boy plays the piano, the jazz trumpet, the left-handed ukulele, and um, the harmonica, and you just got a just turned 19 last week. They just got a guitar for 19th birthday. Honey, let me tell you, we are musical people. The baby, the baby boy plays basketball and football, and <laughs> but at least he plays something. But um, I used to I used to act, I used to sing, I used to dance when I was in high school. I don't know if I can carry a note now, but I'm definitely all about African dance, African music, folk tales. Telling stories, just like you said, storytelling is that's 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 my that's my line right there. Yes, that's what I do. Okay. <laughs> wow, small world. Like, yes. Oh, well, all those instruments. I'm gonna have to definitely connect with those brothers as well. Um, and I'll keep San Antonio in mind here, here moving forward. Where I yes, think keep they, it uh, in mind. Keep it in mind. Keep it in mind. The boys were in the youth orchestra of San Antonio when they were in, in, in high school and middle school, and that kind of kept them, you know, after a divorce, you have to quickly find stuff to keep your black boys, you know, occupied very quickly. So I discovered music and I discovered instruments and I, I made it happen and I'm glad I did. They have, a couple of them have CDs out. They do jam sessions with their friends. Honey, it, it, they're, they're serious about their music. <laughs> the, the architect, yeah, the architecture major plays the jazz trumpet. He's actually like the head of their little jazz ensemble called the Blue Bonnet Jazz Ensemble because, you know, Blue Bonnets, Texas, Blue Bonnets. So, but yeah, they, they, they're serious about their music now and they stay focused and thank God for that. I have to keep them focused. So I'm all about music and kids. Oh, congrats, mom. That's good. That is great. <laughs> thank oh, you. man. Thank you. So well, did my, we... my mother did the thing. Uh, the way we got involved in Colonial Williamsburg, um, and which is one of those experiments I almost want to get back to. She was in the first group of uh, African African American interpreters to go to Colonial Williamsburg in the eighties. And this is a time where they they where I understand they didn't people didn't really even want to say slave back then. Mm-hmm. Um but to see that department 30 years down the road and now it's flourishing and the programs are going. What they did back then 
uh, they were all young professionals who needed a way for their children to be babysat. Um, and instead of paying for, I guess, daycare, what they did was created a program or extended on a program that was called the Juvenile Interpreters. And we were at, let me see, my first time going out was age five, but I started at age seven officially. Um, being out on the on the property, whether we're at the slave quarters or the governor's mansion, there was something for us to do with children. Um, and so that's where my interactions with children started. So if you and your boys came from San Antonio and you came to Williamsburg and I went to Bush Gardens and then you came to Colonial Williamsburg, while you're on a tour uh, listening yourself, we, we would take your boys and then we would go find the things that they liked doing. So that, that was my job starting at age seven. Wow, that is amazing. That's amazing. Actually, my ex-husband and I, the boy's father, we did our honeymoon at in Williamsburg, Virginia. So I've been to Williamsburg. Oh, wow. As a matter of fact, yeah, we went mainly because of the, we went mainly because of the, um, don't they have um, Bush Gardens or something there? Yeah? Yep, gardens. Yeah. So we, we went there by way of bush gardens but then we we watched the enactments and maybe i saw your mom i don't know you know so who knows who knows wow wow the tiny little world tiny little world wow interesting well, it also if i come to san antonio we got to get you up back up to williamsburg you can see or bring bring the bring the guys and uh can show you all around yorktown all those places so uh uh, one of the things I also hope to do, we're trying to, we're working very hard right now, trying to get um, some more African-American tours on the ground here in Williamsburg, as well as where I'm at here in Charlottesville, Virginia, too. Interesting. I'm definitely open to exploring anything. I don't know about the boys because, you know, they are, they are Gen Zers. You have to kind of sell, sell ideas to them. They all, they all want to be on their phones and with their virtual friends, but yeah. I can certainly talk to my elders because he's the one that's, Finish. He'll be graduating soon and looking where to go and what to do with his art and all that. But, and I know he wants to go to law school soon after, in at Columbia. But you know, hey, you never know. I'm I'm very very open to, the wind blows you where it's supposed to blow you, and you end up landing where you're supposed to be rooted. So it's it might happen. We'll we'll just keep it open. I'm always open to just exploring things, especially when it has to do with music and African art and dance and song and spoken word and drama and stuff like that. I'm very, very, very open to that. So that's good. Good. Wow. Okay. Brandon, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today. I didn't even know where this conversation was going to go. And I tell people that all, all the time. You never know when you look at the topic of the podcast. You think, oh, they're going to be talking about death. No, we're talking about life, actually. We're talking about life. Mm. So I love it. Life. Thank you so much for writing on my page today. I really appreciate it. So ladies and gentlemen, you heard him. He came here, told us his story, and he did put a check mark on black men getting counseling, talking about stuff, being vulnerable, going there, and also being there for our kids and our children and hugging and touching and feeling and mending and molding and making them great people because indeed, the only thing greater than yourself is the one that you made. And so we thank you.
Brandon. We thank you, Mr. Lee. We thank you for joining us today, B. Lee. And um, uh, thanks. to see you on the internet. And hopefully this is the beginning of, you know, great relationship, you know, many, many layers more in the future. I'm definitely open to collaborating with anyone who brings in positivity and positive blackness. I'm all for that. We will see you on Facebook as B. Lee. We'll see you on Instagram as Love to Hate B. Lee. We'll see you on Twitter. And um, we'll see you in the theater as well. So good luck with everything that you're doing and stay, stay connected and um, keep us posted with everything else. Did you have one last word or two? Actually, you know what? I usually ask my guests to give me a quote, like a favorite quote. So what's your favorite quote? Um, no pressure. I don't know that I have a favorite quote. Um, I do like to keep a quote by Thomas Jefferson in mind um, when I think about our situation here in America, particularly okay. as mm -hmm. uh, people of the diaspora. Um, he says that his theme says, though we have uh, the wolf by the ear, Say that again. Say that again. I didn't hear that. Start it again, please. Okay. So he said, uh, it seems as though we have the wolf by the ear, or we can, uh, we can't hold him, nor can we let him go. And uh, I always like to think about that quote as our situation in America. Uh, I think that white supremacy knows that there's this uh, wolf that it's holding on to. And uh, it knows that it's got a time limit on it that uh, they have to pay attention to. And I try to tell all of our young black males specifically, uh, keep in mind that you're that wolf uh, that they that they know that they're trying to trying to keep down. So we got to keep fighting. I love it. I love it. And on that note, we are going to say thank you all so much, as always, for listening, for sharing, for being part of the family, and for just wanting to spread positivity and, and, and just good energy out there. This is Dr. Lulu. This is your host of Suicide Pages, the podcast. Thank you all so much for joining me. I'll see you all next time. And before then, please take care of yourselves. Be good to yourselves and each other, because you know what? That's all you got, each other. Bye.